Radical, episode 162. Man, we are getting up there. Thank you guys for tuning in. My name is Shane Hazel. I'm your host. Uh, I've got a show for you this morning. It's going to be a little more relaxed. I, uh, I've been busting my butt all week, as I said earlier uh, in, in the week, and I wanted to uh, sit down and do a show uh, on some of our successes, some optimism to, to give you guys uh, some understanding like wh- where my mindset is in, in this crazy time um, and why it's more of the optimistic side versus the pessimistic side. I, I hear a lot of just people, you know, I mean, just mad and, and I get it. Trust me, like we all we're all facing, um, you know, a, a change in society right now. We are changing society faster than it's ever changed um i'd submit to you that we've seen coup after coup after coup after coup in america and most people have just never had the wherewithal to call it that because i don't know if you start calling things a coup you start looking i don't know uh, like a somebody that they'd call a traitor for that matter and and i really like i i don't what, what's there to trade on like this this government the, the murderers and thieves, the thing that I call the murder cult, the, the upper echelon of the banking cabal, the government, the, the corporations, these are all the same terrible people. And they're always going to try to screw over everybody else. Like this, this is just the way it's going to be until they can't do it anymore, right? And they're still going to try to do that. Um, yes, I see in the comments. Yes, I got a new pair of specs. Uh, I can finally see uh, clearly again. And um, thanks to the guys down there in Canton for for getting me my new specs. But I uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I know it's a, a little different on a Saturday morning. I was just I've been slammed all week. I've been doing stuff around the house. Uh, took some leave, like I said, uh, and got a lot of stuff done uh, in terms of you know just things that you got to do when you're trying to be a homesteader and. Um, we're going to cover that towards the end of the show, but in the beginning of the show, I wanted to go over the Helios Initiative with you guys. The Helios Initiative had its first win, um, and we're going to get into this and show you guys exactly how it works and how it happened and why it came about. And I mean, I've talked to, I can't tell you, I mean, I've had really great conversations with other podcasters off air. Um, I've had conversations with people in um you know government about this type of stuff and man i i'm stoked about it but um first if you love the show you can go out to radicalpod.com or i should say patreon.com slash radicalpod and support the show uh and, and become a patron man i need all the patrons i can get i'm trying to divorce myself from a lot of things going on in the world and become extremely independent with uh with this show and with all the different things that I'm working on. I'm working on uh, not only Helios, I'm working on obviously running for governor, uh, and I'm working on something new in the background that I think is going to change um, our connectedness to each other, nature, uh, our spirituality, and a lot of things where I think it's going to put people back in touch with each other. So if you want to go and support us, uh, like I said, patreon.com slash radical pod. Um, if you don't have a lot of cash, you can go and support me on Apple uh, by just leaving a five star review. And I really appreciate all that. Other than that, radicalpod.com. You can go out there and find all the links, subscribe and share. Um, and let's get into it. Speaking of radicalpod.com, uh, the Helios tab is up there now. So um, the, the the Helios tab is here for you guys. Right now, I've got four different uh, proclamations up there. And 
Helios came about for a lot of you guys that have been with me. This is going to be a little bit of a recap. Um, and I wanted to uh, share with anybody who's new, if you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, if you're just fed up with all of it and you've just kind of divorced yourself, which let's face it, that's the majority of America now. Most of America doesn't want anything to do with politics. And it shows by not their apatheticness, which I think is where the Republicans and Democrats and even some libertarians fall into the trap of saying, oh, you know, they're, they're, there's a large apathetic voting populace out there. It's not that they're apathetic. It's that they don't believe in this bullshit system. They don't believe in the people that are in positions of power. And rightly so. I mean, look at where we're at in 2021. We have less freedom in America than we've ever had in, in, in all of our history. And I mean, and I know, trust me, I know this doesn't apply for everybody. I know that we've had a, a very, very, I mean, ridiculous journey to even get to this point. But I think we're starting to recognize that anybody and everybody needs to be free, needs to not be, I don't know, harassed, caged and killed by their government for uh, what they believe, their thoughts, their conscience, their feelings towards other people, unless they're violent, right? And we've covered that. So Helios came about uh, with one of my uh, with one of my really good friends who was pulled over by the Holly Springs Police Department, um, and they pulled him over for absolutely no reason. And the reason that they do this type of thing is to obviously take property. And I'm not just saying this is happening in Holly Springs. Civil asset forfeiture is a problem across this nation. This just happened to be, you know, while I was on the phone with my friend. And they they pulled him over, they made him prove his innocence, and then they sent him on his way. And I thought, man, this is happening locally, I can reach out, I can do something about this. And so I did. Um, I, I went down and I had a conversation with the mayor, uh, Steve Miller, and you know, hats off to Steve Miller. Steve Miller's another Marine. Uh, he's the mayor of Holly Springs here in Cherokee County. Uh, this is obviously Georgia. And he was at least willing to sit down and listen uh, to me. And I said, you know what, this this could work. So we started talking and I said, hey, if you will make sure that the practice of a civil asset forfeiture doesn't happen in Holly Springs anymore, I'll write the proclamation for you. Like I understand the mechanics of how this can and cannot work. And so I did it. Um, I started putting together proclamation after proclamation after proclamation. I've got four of them now, um, and I'm going to do more. Um, there is so much overreach by the government that the only way to stop it is going to be at your local level where you can reach out and touch the executives. A lot of times people are like, you got to change it at the state legislator. You got to change it in the, in the U.S. legislator. You got to you got to no, you don't. Not in this time and place. We're in a post-constitutional United States right now. We are not a republic. We are we are sliding into communism. I'd say we're already in fascism now. We're we have a fascist government, and the only way to push this back is through the executive. Well, I didn't say the only one of the one of the easiest ways, the fastest ways, because I believe we are on a huge, huge time crunch right now as this thing deteriorates further and further and further is to approach your local executives. That means your sheriffs and your mayors. So I wrote these proclamations for mayors to adopt and for sheriffs to adopt in their local area. And this is, this is what 
in this past, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago now, Holly Springs adopted it. Holly Springs adopted the first proclamation on civil asset forfeiture that we tried. And I was one guy, one guy that said enough is enough, took the time to learn about the Constitution, took, you know, took the time to study it enough to understand the mechanics of the Constitution and apply it to not the state legislator, not the, you know, the, the bureaucracies, not the justices, the executive, where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, in society. And this is what I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about today. Um, we've, we've got a changing paradigm. And as things degrade, you can, you can still reach out and you can still touch the people at your local level your mayors and your sheriffs specifically, and they can tell their guys who are out, you know, in uniform with badges or without uniform. I don't care either way. Hey, listen, we're not going to harass. We're not going to persecute. We're not going to cage. And we are not going to harm, kill, or cage peaceful people in our neighborhoods. It's very, very, very simple stuff. So I'm going to take you through the civil asset forfeiture um, and maybe even um, one of the other ones. And I think probably we'll do civil asset forfeiture and the, uh, you know, prohibition on guns and gun crime and all that. Like all this stuff is nonsense. It's, it's constitutional nonsense when people come out and try to remove your freedom, your rights through legalese. It's called usurpation, right? It, usurpation is is the legalese of taking people's rights away from them and making them pay for them through licensing and permitting, or saying that you can't do these things because oh, you know, some judge somewhere said no. I I agree with some legalese that some lawyer came up with uh, to prevent you from exercising your rights, right? Like this is this is what governments will always do, and it it I'll tell you, it comes down to you know the article two branch of government the executive in most cases um where they're going to follow through with legislation they're going to follow through with bureaucratic policy they're going to lean on judicial um you know review in terms of how they interact with the public in this this cannot stand. None of it can stand. So I'm going to take you through the mechanics of this. I'm going to take you through um, what happened um, after uh, I get through with, you know, the mechanics of it with, uh, you know, the, the, the Holly Springs uh, city council and the mayor. Uh, I went down and I, you know, I sat through the, the whole thing just to, to see it through and, and make a, a quick point and, and say thank you for considering this. So civil asset forfeiture, the proclamation reads, Whereas the Fourth Amendment ensures the right of the people to be secure in their person, properties, uh, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person and things to be seized. Right? Like, you have a, a, a you have the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment, I... I what I don't like is when people talk about constitutional rights. There is no such thing as a constitutional right. There are natural and inalienable rights, period. The Constitution took those natural and inalienable rights and put them down on paper to remind anybody and everybody, not only in power, but the citizens of what the government cannot do. 
period. Your rights exist no matter if there is a government or not a government. They exist because you exist as an individual. So the Fourth Amendment just says, hey, listen, you have a right to privacy. You have a right to your property. You have a right to your effects. That means everything. That means everything that you do on your property, with your property, and with, you know, in this day and age, your electronic property, right? Like if you're sending communications, you own those communications. You're the author of those communications. And the intent in terms of sending them is not for the whole world to see them most of the time, for God's sakes. I mean, unless you're on social media, I guess, right? So we've covered the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment states a right. The Fifth Amendment does the same thing. The Fifth Amendment ensures the right of each individual shall not be held to answer for capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury. You guys need to study grand juries. They're very important. Nor shall they be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor, and this is the, the most important part of the Fifth Amendment, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. This is exactly what civil asset forfeiture does. Civil asset forfeiture takes your stuff and divorces it from you and puts your stuff on trial, and you somehow have to prove that it's innocent of the suspected crime. There is absolutely nothing, nothing more heinous and evil and usurpatious of the Fifth Amendment than civil asset forfeiture. I mean, it literally says, you shall not be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And that includes a guilty verdict of the crimes you are suspected of. To, to charge your property with a crime and to hold it, you know, without any type of recourse turns all of that on its head. It's obviously unconstitutional. It doesn't matter if a legislator says anything about it. It doesn't matter if a judge says anything about it. It doesn't matter if a bureaucrat does it. None of this kind of crap matters. So we've covered the fourth and fifth. Now the sixth amendment, the sixth amendment is uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the right to face your accuser in, in, in speedy trials and all this kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll just read it. The, the Sixth Amendment ensures the right in all criminal persecutions that the accused shall enjoy the right of a speedy trial. The accused in civil asset forfeiture is your property. So how can it enjoy a speedy trial? By an impartial jury. Is there a jury? No, there's not. The, the executive just holds your stuff or sells your stuff and says, yeah, you know, we, we believe that this is used in crimes without any type of suspected um, criminal, you know, criminal proceedings. No grand jury has been convened. Uh, you haven't been charged. It hasn't been found guilty. None of that. It's just the state uh, in the executive, your sheriff, your police taking your stuff and using it to fill their pockets with resources and money and things like that. So um, by an impartial jury of the state and the district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which the district shall have been previously ascertained by law and to be informed of the nature and of the cause of the accusation. That never happens in civil asset forfeiture. To be confronted with the witnesses against him or her, right? Are you ever confronted with the witnesses? No, there's no, there's no case. To have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor 
and to have the assistance of the counsel of his defense right? Like this is due process. You have the right to due process in a speedy trial and you, you, you have the right to be confronted with your accusers. This never, ever, ever happens in civil asset for in civil asset forfeiture cases. Never. All right. So here's where we're through the rights, the rights you have to, you, you have to put the rights first and foremost. And if you guys are tracking and want to track, you can go to radicalpod.com slash Helios. Um, or just radicalpod.com and find the Helios tab at, at the top and look through this with me. The mechanics of this and how this works, super simple. The Fifth Amendment is the only way to change the Constitution. The Constitution requires that either two-thirds of the entire Congress agree to an amendment or the two-thirds of the states in a constitutional convention agree to an amendment. That is the only way to change the Constitution of the United States, which means when an executive comes out and issues an executive order, does that change the Constitution of the United States? No. Does it grant him more powers? No. Does it, does it give him a time of emergency to do special things? No. Is there an amendment for any of that? Has it ever gone through an Article 5 process? No. It never did. Now, am I saying the Constitution is a perfect tool? And all? No, it's not. But it is a tool to at least reel these people in. Because if we cannot agree that even a shred of the Constitution exists, then they have no power. None. We are in a free-for-all at this point which I would probably contend we are anyway, but if you can at least push people who have never been exposed to these ideas back to this, we're doing better. We're doing so much better if we can just push back to this. So Article 5 doesn't change. Without an Article 5, we cannot change the Constitution. With a Article 5, what we see in, see in terms of the executive, they can't change it. If the legislator, comes around and what I'll call simple legislation, right? They pass legislation in both a house or a Senate or an assembly or whatever the, the, the bicambrial type of house that they have is. If they pass legislation and the executive signs that legislation and it is counter to the United States Constitution, it's still void. It's simple legislation. It cannot change the Constitution without an Article 5. So the legislature cannot change the Constitution and the mechanics of the Constitution and what, the, what it implies their powers are and what our rights are without an Article 5. And they still can't change your rights even with an Article 5. That is the, that is the crux of all of this. In judicial review, the... To understand that the, the 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 judicial branch in anything brought before a judge and a jury, the jurisdiction of that court is only of the parties in that court. It is not the entire nation. So when you hear nonsense about the uh, the United States Supreme Court deciding, you know, for all of America on a single case, it's complete bullshit. It is just nonsense. The idea that there is judicial review, you know, from, you know, back in the 1800s when um, uh, 
John Marshall, the, one of the first chief justices, said that we have the power of judicial review. Well, it's not in the Constitution. You don't have power of judicial review. Are you, are you kidding me? The court is just going to take on cases that the public, that there's no outcry about, that there's no crime. That, that is a crime in and of itself. So the idea that any branch of government can simply change or usurp the Constitution is a lie. They cannot change the Constitution and the legislation and the powers without an Article 5. And they definitely not even with an Article 5, can change your rights because your rights pre-exist the government itself because they are natural and inalienable, and that's why they are not constitutional. So, whereas the Constitution of the United States shall only be changed via an Article 5 amendment to which no amendment has ever been ratified with the regards to Bill of Rights, right? So, we establish your rights. We, under, we understand now the mechanics that they cannot change the Constitution without an Article 5 amendment. And then you get into the Article 6 Article 6 is beautifully written. Um, they kind of hung themselves when they wrote this, if you apply it. Article 6, paragraph 2 of the United States Constitution reads, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all the treaties, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. And anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding, which means that anything that is not pursuant to the Constitution is null and void. And that no, the, like the judges, they are bound to the Constitution. Those states, anybody who has ever taken an oath, which is where we're going next, is bound to the Constitution of the United States by law. So you get into Article 6, Paragraph 3, their oath of office. This Article 6, Paragraph 3 of the United States reads, the senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislators and all executive and judicial officers. That's pretty much everybody, both of the United States and of the several states. Now we're, we've covered everybody in government shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support the constitution. And then they talk about, you know, obviously the no religious test, but everybody who's in office, state, local, anywhere, takes an oath to uphold the constitution. So we know what our rights are. We know how you change it. We know that anything that is not in pursuance to the constitution is notwithstanding it is null and void of force. This is a very, very simple, simple argument. It is constitutional, and it is simple, and, and it fits on a page. So I get into U.S. Code 242. Now, this is a federal law, and a lot of people are going to push back. Well, we can't enforce federal law. Well, okay, well, adopt a resolution that reads the same as U.S. Code 18242. U.S. Code 18242 provides that the punishment of deprivation of rights under color of law. And I'm telling you, this is a felony. So if you have executives who are denying you your rights under what's the color of law behind a badge, right? Saying you don't have these rights, right? Like I got a, I got a badge on my chest. I have sworn an oath to protect and uphold the constitution, which they don't know. They're not taught that. They're taught how to usurp or they're taught how to use it. They're taught how to line their pockets. If they deprive you of your rights under color of law, it is a felony. Now, you get into sentencing in terms of 
if kidnapping occurs, if assault occurs, if murder occurs, and I'm telling you, they're stiff up into death for violating your rights. Peaceful people should not be aggressed upon by the state. They can't change your rights. They can't take your stuff. They can't take your life. They can't take your property without due process. And that's civil asset forfeiture. So you get into kind of the, the resolution you know, statement here. Whereas the practice of civil asset forfeiture violates the numerous rights previously mentioned and was never amended through the Article 5 process, therefore civil asset forfeiture is not in pursuance of the United States Constitution and therefore notwithstanding and, un, un, and unconstitutional. And every executive officer is bound by oath and affirmation to reject its practice, make void and null of force as it is a clear deprivation of rights under color of law. And then the resolution is this. Now, therefore, I, in this case, Steve Miller, of Holly Springs, Georgia, proclaim that the practice of civil asset forfeiture, null, void, notwithstanding, notwithstanding, and absolutely forbidden within the jurisdiction of Holly Springs and any government official practicing civil asset forfeiture, henceforth by its name or any other imagined usurpation of the people's rights will be prosecuted to the maximum extent of the law. I'm telling you, this is passed. This is already passed. We have a working model, a foot in the door, and it took one guy, a crayon eater, for God's sakes, to put all this together, go have a civil conversation, and make the community safer. And that's the thing is it's not made just the community safer. It's made the people in government safer because they're not doing this kind of crap anymore. They're not going out trying to you know pull people over and take their stuff without due process which creates a less hostile environment for them to operate in, which removes them from danger. And now you have a win-win situation, not only for the police, but for the citizens of that area. And you can do this at a local level. You don't need the legislator. You don't need judges. You just need the executive to grow a spine and a pair of brass balls and say, enough. When Steve Miller contacted me and said, yep, we're, we're going to adopt this. I made sure that I was going to be there. Excuse me, I had to get a drink of some coffee. Um, and I went down, made a, a short little speech, said, what you guys are doing is historic. I think it is absolutely amazing in this time that we have a step forward in terms of pushing back government. We have a win. We have a win for the rights of people in that district. We have a win for your, your life, liberty, and property. We have, a, we have a win for due process. We have a win for facing your accusers. This is a monumental step in the right direction. And you, maybe you and a group of people, can get together calmly go down and have this conversation copy and paste what i've got here and put it in front of them take all of the work out of the equation for these guys and it's ironclad it's all documented straight out of the constitution of the united states itself which they swore an oath to whether you love it whether you hate it whether you're indifferent about it i don't give a damn 
the object at the end of the day is freedom, freedom in our time. And you can do this at your local city and county level, period. Um, we're going to do it with gun control. We're going to do it with vaccine mandates. And we're going to do it with cannabis prohibition, ladies and gents. That's just to get started. Just to get started. And as we see freedoms start to abound here in Cherokee County and Holly Springs and places in the northern Georgia area, I guarantee you, it's going to take off. I've already had conversations with people. Um, there were uh, obviously Steve Miller and, and one other of the city council members spoke on this. And as effect of adopting this at the city level, Steve Miller, the mayor, has sent this proclamation out to every other mayor in Georgia. That is a giant step for liberty. It's a huge thing. And I am tickled to death. At the end of the day, I don't care who gets credit. I really, I don't care. As long as you're free, as long as our children and the next generation inherits more freedom than what we have, especially now, for God's sakes. We're going to do gun control. There's vaccine mandates and, and cannabis prohibition. Like I said, um, a lot of this has to do with First Amendment and Ninth Amendment. Um, type of uh, codification of, of the rights, but you guys can read through them and I'm, I'm happy for you to do it. So um, I think a lot of you guys have been kind of chomping at the bit for a, a homestead um, type of, I don't know, at least segment show. If, if you're not interested in homesteading, this part's probably not going to be for you. Maybe you can laugh at some of uh some of the, the goings on in in a homesteader's life, right? Because I'm telling you guys, like it is it is a mountain of work. I've always been one of those kind of um, you know do it yourself guys, and by kind of like I do most every damn thing myself. I don't hire guys to come into my house and work on anything. Like if it's if it can be done, I'm that person that's like, well, I can probably watch a YouTube video and do it, minus some electrical stuff electricity hey listen there's a good rule with electricity that when in doubt you're the ground and that means like you're dead right so don't be that guy that uh that, that goes in too far over your head but most everything else i don't care if it's plumbing you know I, you know basic home repair all that kind of stuff if you're thinking about homesteading this is a skill set you're gonna have to have i will also say that being a homesteader I think you probably need to do some training and just in terms of being in, I don't know, good physical shape. It's going to wear on you. Like I'm sitting in this chair right now because I've been working my ass off all week and I've got a heating pad on my back and I kind of wanted to have a little bit more of a comfortable morning and I sit down with you guys and I'm going to get into here um, into the comments and everything else with you guys. So if you, you know, if you want to weigh in on online, I know you guys are out there in Twitter spaces right now and you're just listening. It's going to be really an interactive show on Twitter. It's just going to be um, me having this discussion with the audience. So um homesteading can you do it anywhere yeah you, you can do it anywhere it's one of the biggest questions i get do you think i can do this in um rural america well in uh, in suburban america can i do this in urban america and of course yes if you have a if you have a desire to become more independent and that's basically that's what it is it's independence homesteading is independence where 
you're going to be on a independent dependent scale is all up to you. Um, it's one of those things where as you learn more and more and more about being independent, you're going to understand how much you never understood. And a lot of that comes th just through doing things, through backbreaking work, through discovery, through reading, uh, through stumbling into new things. And that's, oh, it's glorious. I wish I would have, I wish I would have been able to spend, you know, the first, I don't know, 13 plus years of my life um, doing exactly this. Now, I will say I had some grandparents that grew up um, during the depression and they were farm kids and they knew how to can and and keep a garden and and do all sorts of amazing things and then maybe that's part of the vein of where you know i come from is one don't be a disappointment to your dear old grandfather the man was uh, an engineer for dow chemical company um never went to university or anything like that just self-taught and um you know was is always doing things and coming up with really interesting ways to solve uh, problems around, you know, the house or whatever it was he was doing. And I always kind of marveled. I was like, man, how does he know how to do that? He was, you know, he was self-taught guy. Um, so in his honor, I think that I didn't ever really, you know, subconsciously, I didn't want to disappoint my grandfather. So it was like, well, I better learn a lot of what he can do. And I mean, when, when I say that man could do everything, that man, he could do anything and everything. And I saw him do it. I don't care if it was electricity. I don't care if it was masonry work. Um, you know, t those two things, like I have still, I'm still not perfected. Uh, I can do some basic, you know, electrical work. I can do some basic masonry, but I'm talking about like, this guy could lay bricks at the speed of light. He knew how to lay it out. He knew how to do anything and everything. And that, I don't know, transitioned into me to where, I've, I've, I've always felt like I needed to go out and learn and do and, 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 and learn skill sets so that I was independent of having other people help me. Now, translate that into homesteading. Now, homestead, homesteading means that you have all the, I don't know, the skill sets to survive without the external world. It's, it's, it's true independence. It's, when I said the other day that independence is a verb, like independence is is what I don't think we understand as Americans, you know, on July 4th, we celebrate independence, not the constitution. We, we celebrate independence. The problem is, is most Americans aren't independent. You're, you're dependent on grocery stores. You're dependent on fuel supply. You're dependent on main power coming into your house. You're dependent on all sorts of things that are externally provided for you that you pay for. And let's just say, you know, some of those things aren't there anymore. Can you take care of yourself? Is it, is it taking, um, you know, a lot of times you know, being a prepper is, you know, stigmatized. And I think it's stigmatized for a reason. I think it's stigmatized because the powers that be don't want you to be independent. You can't control independent people and they obviously want control. So independent, um, I, I guess we'll, we'll start with, you know, what are, what are some of the first things that you need to consider? I think you need to consider, you know, where you are and what your goal is, how, how independent do you think you can be? Um, and, you know, are you looking for a time span? Like how independence is also, is also that is how independent can you be for how long? Um, for me, you know, I want to be able to be independent 
period. Like, I like that's the goal. Like, will you ever reach that goal? I don't know. Probably not. But you can definitely get to the point where you are independent for an extremely long time, um, especially if you believe in generational families. What do I mean by generational families? Well, out here on Mount Liberty, um, we we have generational families. Um, obviously, I've got kids, um, and um, my my brother and his family live very close by. My mom and dad, they live very close by, and my mother and father-in-law actually live with us. And some people are going, oh, God, I can't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do the whole fucking mother and father-in-law <laughs> in my house. Listen, it might not be for you. Um, it takes a lot of positive communication, but I'll tell you right now, if you can make it work, it's an asset. Uh, it's an asset because as you grow old in homesteading, there are things that you know and things that you can do that the younger generations can't do. There are also things that you can't do that they can do, and they need your knowledge and they need your advice. They need the techniques and tips that you have gained over the years to be able to pull off being independent, right? You know, independence is, is intergenerational. You've got to have somebody around who's been there and done that with a lot of firsthand knowledge a lot of times. Like I said, for me, luckily, um, I've been around the world a few times. I've, I've done mostly, I, and I'll tell you guys, most of my life has been spent doing um, very intensive physical labor type of jobs. Now, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, I haven't progressed over the years with skill sets. Like, I've definitely progressed into master categories with some skill sets. And you can too. The thing is, is you got YouTube these days, like, YouTube, if you need to learn how to do something, you can learn it on YouTube. It's damn near free minus an internet connection, which you're probably paying for anyway. You're paying for a phone. Stop watching bullshit and start watching things on there and consuming things that will take your skill set and, and bump it up a level. So I wanted to, to get in first with all of this. So you kind of got your mindset. How, how long do you want to be independent for? How long can you be independent for? And what is your plan in terms of different scenarios, right? Can you be energy independent for a while? Can you be food independent for a while? Are you water independent? Are you, are you independent in terms of heat, right? Like shelter and heat. Um, two of the first things that I kind of wanted to cover, right? Shelter and heat are, you know, giant morale wins, right? Like everything goes to hell. Most people are going to have shelter. Um, I will say that if you're not working with your sheriffs right now and your police departments right now, as the economy collapses and as these ridiculous vaccine mandates continue to push people out of employment, where, you know, the, the people from Vanguard and what is it, BlackRock, Blackstone, whatever the hell they are, and these guys want to come in from the banks and use the government after they fuck the economy to push people out into the streets you should be, you should be saying, Hey, sheriff and Hey, you know, mayors and, and police, are we really after what these guys have done to the economy? We're we really going to use force and coercion to push people and families out of houses right now. So shelter and heat, do you have a way to heat your house? Now I will tell you heating your home 
is probably one of the most important things that you could provide for in any type of situation, right? Just, I mean, in any situation, if it's cold and you're freezing to death, life is bad. If you've got children or you've got older adults in your house and they're freezing to death, let me tell you, life is really, really, really bad. Take it from a guy that has gotten hypothermia a few times, that has really braved the elements without heat for a long period of time, man. Like, it sucks. It is it is a miserable experience. Like, your life, instead of looking at, you know, days and weeks and months ahead, you are focused on seconds. You are focused on mere minutes. Like, you are praying for the sun to come up in the morning so that you can warm your body up just a little bit. And that is a bad, bad situation. So provide for heat. So how can you provide for heat? Fireplaces? Yes, you can you can have, you know, you can have a fireplace. Will it work? If you got wood around, it will. Um, fire in terms of internal to your house is probably best supplied by a wood stove, though. Um, wood stove puts out so much more heat. Uh, than than a fireplace can, and if you do have a little bit of electricity, you can start to push heat around with a blower or something like a fan, and that is going to provide you much more realistic long term benefits um, than just say a, a fireplace alone. Um, the other thing is is kind of look at the construction of your house, especially if you're um, looking at homesteading. The construction of your house needs to probably be smaller. You need to start, you know, stop with the, the ridiculous trade and you know, fourteen foot ceilings in your McMansions. You know, what you're looking at is probably eight foot ceilings, um, maybe nine foot. I don't know, depending on how much wood um, you can take from the the local area, and 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 put into production, keep it dry, keep it from rotting, keep it, um, you know, just available so that when a bad situation arises, you don't have power, you can start a fire, you can keep warm, you can cook and do all these other things. And these are, these are obviously the very basics of homesteading. Um, you get these two things taken care of. Now, what are we, what are we on to? We're looking for water, right? Do you have a water source near you? Um, one of the one of the big things that I advise people on a lot of times is go take a go take a look at map overlays. You're looking at population density. You're looking at frost lines. You're looking at rainfall. Um, and of that last category, rainfall, rainfall in an area is extremely important. Um, you can capture rain and I don't give a shit what anybody says, what any law says. If you can't capture rain, you're, you're an absolute slave. Um, rainfall is one of those things that you should be capturing is something you should be harnessing, um, for your, your family, for your garden, and then the ability to make sure that water is potable, right? Like you can clean that water to a point where you're not going to get dysentery and die, right? Like, Nobody likes Ozark Trail. Like, oh, Tommy died from diarrhea. And you're like, what? Why? And in 2021, why? There are great little filters out there that will filter uh, water with the wor the nastiest stuff in there. Uh, Catadine pumps are fantastic. And they don't, they're, they're fairly inexpensive. Um, you know, and this is the thing is getting started and taking care of some of the basics isn't all that expensive. Take care of the basics. Can you can you take 
you know, a small catadine pump with you wherever you are. Are you mobile with it? Can you provide for it on a homestead if shit hits the fan? Of course you can. You can filter literally hundreds of thousands of gallons with a tiny little catadine pump, and that'll keep you alive. You can survive for about three days without clean water, right? Like, that's it. Really, really, really. Uh, Dennis Martin says, get a dehumidifier. It collects two and a half gallons of water a day. You're damn right it does, man. I got multiple dehumidifiers going around here. And that dehumidifier, when you put it into, say, 600 or 1,000 gallon tank, um, you can run it into those places. You've got an automatic catch basin for this kind of stuff. And and you would be surprised, and we'll maybe get into this here a little bit, um, what you can do with a little bit of water. So um, water, obviously important. Um, you know, these basins that you can catch, uh, you can find a lot of these things uh, at tank supply, you know, Google tank supply on uh on your computer and say google use something better than google but go out and, and take a look at these things uh a lot of times you can get them for maybe three four five hundred dollars uh and in varying different sizes and from there you can at least collect rainwater you can collect uh like dennis said from dehumidifiers and um you know dehumidifiers actually pull in pretty clean water right then and there they still recommend that if you are taking things uh from the air through condensation type of um, water sources to boil it so that you, you know, aren't getting sick. Don't get sick is, is the key, right? Uh, food, you have, you have food on supply. Do you have a means to provide food for yourself? I will tell you, you know, um, a lot of times I think food and security get mixed up. Food's very, very important. You can trade food. You can do a lot of things. Um, and in terms of, you know, supplying yourself with good protein. This is one of the things that I look at. Like I, I am not great about my diet in terms of vegetables. Like I'm going to tell you guys right now, like I take vitamins to supplement. I hate, hate, hate uh, most vegetables. I can't stand it. I will drink V8. Um, and, you know, <laughs> V8 is one of those things where, hey man, it's got a pretty good shelf life. Um, and most people can at least stomach it, especially in a bad situation. If they hate vegetables, if, if you can, if you can supplement your diet with the, those kind of things, great. Now, protein is a different story. A lot of people will talk about, you know, long-term shelf life type of things, meals. Um, yeah, great. They're expensive. Um, they don't taste very good, especially the proteins. And I don't know, man, like there's a lot of things that I just don't trust about long-term protein storage and, and things like that. But if you have, you know, the wherewithal, um, protein is not hard to come by. Uh, you know, there are squirrels, there are birds, there are all sorts of things. And really in a situation where you're in a, in a bad situation, you're looking for things like protein. Um, you know, you're not looking at going out and grabbing a deer or a bear or, you know, larger game. What you're going to be looking at is smaller game. And in a really bad situation, some of you guys are going to laugh. Um, you know, the, 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 the cats, the, the, the feral cats and things out there, uh, the little things that you would never, ever eat become great protein sources. And a lot of times you're just going to have to get over things like that where, yeah, you eat squirrel. Yeah, you're going to eat maybe... Um, you know, some, some things that you've never thought you, you might eat before and take it from a guy who has, man, like it's not bad. It's, it's stigmatized for a reason. Now, um, what, what do they say? The, that line between, you know, pets and food, it changes in, in an apocalyptic situation. I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about hiccups in society guys. And 
the the best way to get some of those proteins is with a pellet gun. Um, Gamo makes a, a great pellet gun. Uh, you know, they shoot, uh, I think it's the point, uh, was it 1.7 millimeter? And I think they even actually have a 22 millimeter, uh, you know, pellet that is deadly. I mean, these things, they're, they are hyper, I say hyper, they are supersonic uh, in terms of their speed. They, they will put, you know, small game down without any problem whatsoever. Uh, and they're quiet, you know, like when you're, when you're going out and you're, you know, trying to find some protein, if you're in a suburban type of area, a lot of times a gun isn't the way to go, man. People get w weird around, you know, r loud guns around, you know, loud sounds and things like that. So uh, a pellet gun is one of the best things you could possibly have. Um, and I, you know, I would say, you know, these are little things like if you're, if you're starting from scratch and you're starting to see what times are like these are little things the, the catadine pump is a little thing um having a, a pellet gun is a little thing and these are things that you know in a bad situation can provide you and your family with the sustenance that you need to get through a, a short period of time right and that's it is a huge huge thing um quest is saying peanuts and other nuts have yeah man i mean unless you got a nut house in the family <laughs> then don't do that but um yeah quest you're exactly right um anything that you can put on a shelf for a long time um and that you regularly consume anyway that's the big thing is don't just go out and buy things that you think oh yeah man in a bad situation this is here like no man go out and buy things that you're going to actually use learn how to make bread learn how to um you know incorporate some small grains like rice into your diet and things like that. And trust me, I get it. Like I am very much in, into a, a paleo, very uh, high protein diet. So I, yes, I absolutely agree. Quest peanuts and other nuts, really, really the way to go. Um, I want to get back to the heat for a second. One of the, one of the best things that you can invest in are tools. Um, having a, a 200 plus uh, socket and wrench set for God's sakes, have those things. Um, they will come in handy. Having impact drills and having driver drills absolutely, um, you know, must in terms of homesteading. You're, I mean, if you don't have drills in your life as a man, um, I, I kind of question what the, what the fuck you're doing anyway, right? Like you need some of these things. Um, and you need, um, I'll tell you, you know, for, for me and what I do out here, a good chainsaw um now good chainsaws and work chainsaws are not exactly the same class of chainsaw and so i'll tell you i have two chainsaws i have a ms250 which is kind of an older model it's a smaller still chainsaw and i will tell you between still and herskavena like either one are great great machines so up to you uh, honestly you're gonna pay for for both of them um, you also need to invest in a chainsaw chain sharpener and probably have a couple of extra chains around. Why? I don't know. Trees go down across the path of your street for one thing. If, if you can't get to um, civilization, if you can no longer, uh, you know, move about freely, then you're probably going to need a chainsaw to do that. And during a bad situation, you think, you know, your neighbors are coming out to, uh, to clear extra trees for you? Probably not. On top of it, you get to chop up, you know, wood around the house. And that's the thing is, 
you can burn a lot of smaller types of limbs, um, smaller trees that have been dead for a while and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and chopping it up with a chainsaw is a lot easier than going out there with an ax like, you know, Paul Bunyan or something like that. So um, I would definitely recommend having a splitting ax. Um, know the difference between a chopping and a splitting axe have a splitting axe so that if you do happen uh, to have a chainsaw that can push through some of your larger hardwoods and things like that in a bad situation, you got a way to split that stuff. Um, is it a log splitter a must have? No. Is it a nice to have? Yes. Do you have the fuel to run those kind of things in a bad situation? Mm, they're probably best spent on other things. Maybe. I don't know. If you've done all of this beforehand, um, you don't really have to have a log splitter. Now, um, I will say, if you are going to homestead, though, and you are serious about homesteading and providing heat for your house, one of the best things you could do is get a chainsaw that absolutely rips. And I will tell you for myself, um, I found a industrial grade uh, still. It's a, it's, a, it's a 460. I think it's a 461. And I'll, I'm going to tell you right now, that thing will wear you out, and they are extremely dangerous, especially sharp ones. If you don't know what you're doing, stay with the smaller ones. You'll do less damage to yourself and the things around you. But the, the in, in, in the course of, you know, learning how to homestead, you're going to cut a ton of wood. You're going to, I mean, you're going to go through logs. You're going to have to learn how to turn logs. You're going to have to learn um, about levers and things like that. They have log turners out there. Can you do the same thing with like a, a two by six or a two by four? Yeah, you, you need to learn how to use levers with logs. I mean, they weigh hundreds, if not thousands of pounds, and you're going to be using, you know, an instrument um, that is extremely powerful and extremely dangerous. So take the proper precautions with all of these things that I'm talking about. And, you know, chainsaw, probably one of the best investments in terms of homesteading. That doesn't, you know, I, I think probably covered that in terms of heat, in terms of clearing paths, in terms of maybe even blocking paths, right? Like if you are trying to limit who can get to you by, um, you know, vehicle, a lot of times blocking roads with trees is an option and if you're in a very highly wooded area uh like north georgia it's pretty easy to find a tree to drop over roads uh and stop the ingress of unwanted people into your area right so just saying this is this is something that i would definitely uh recommend very highly um the next thing that i would tell you you know in terms of homesteading um if if you don't have a wheelbarrow get a wheelbarrow. If you can afford a small Polaris Ranger type ATV with a bed on the back of it, I'm going to tell you right now, probably one of the best investments I ever made for homesteading. Um, to be able to load that thing up over and over and over again with things like soil and mulch and dirt and um, taking you know bags and bags and bags of seed out to, you know, pasture, right? Like I created food plots out here, you know, and, and food plots aren't necessarily for human consumption. What they're there for is to hold wild game populations. If you've got wild game that is running around and coming to your property to feed and it feels safe doing so, you've got a supermarket 
that you rarely, rarely have to take care of. And it's right there. It's all natural. It's fresh. It's, you know, maybe twice a year, you're going to go out, you're going to turn some dirt, you're going to um, maybe sweeten the soil the first few times around. And after that, man, you know, the things that grow naturally in food plots, things like rye for winter, um, uh, winter rye, um, wheat grass for, for winter food plots will hold uh, game populations. And I'm talking everything from birds to deer. Uh, then in the spring, you know, if you're looking at holding game populations, sunflowers, um, turnips, clay peas, iron peas, especially here in North Georgia will root. They've got tons of protein and they are absolutely fantastic for, you know, local deer populations and things like that to, to bring them in and then hold them here and make sure that they're healthy, um, on, on top of all of those things. So, um, if you have an ATV and you have the ability to do things uh, in terms of creating a food plot uh, where you're going to hold food, there is a great little company out there um, that makes this thing called a gravel rascal. And a gravel rascal is an amazing little farm implement that you can haul behind an ATV, um, you know, 500,000 CC kind of category, and you can turn land. You can, you can literally go out into a mountain type setting. If you've got Talladega, especially, um, as the soil type up here and you can sweeten it up, you can turn it, you can, uh, go through and comb it over to make sure that those seeds have, you know, the, the, the correct depth in terms of the, the, the food plots that you're seeding and you can grow everything from millet to clay peas in the summer to, uh, turnips to sunflower seeds and all of those things are going to help hold game on your property so that when it comes down to it, you can fill up that freezer and, and make sure that, you know, in a bad situation, you got food. I'm going to go back to energy, uh, here for a second as well. Uh, energy is, you know, it's a nice to have, isn't it? Uh, it's a, it's a real nice to have having hot water, uh, to, to clean your body with is a an amazing thing. Being able to turn on a light is an amazing thing that I think most people take for granted. Uh, if you can afford a generator, um, a small generator, uh, they cost, I think somewhere upwards five to 700 bucks, get one. Um, at least you can run a generator to keep your freezers with meat. Um, you know, maybe a couple hours a day or something like that to take, take them down to below freezing temperatures again and preserve your meat over time. And the thing is, you don't have to run that thing 24 seven, but if you need to charge a radio, charge a, a phone, charge some type of communication device and keep your refrigerated uh, supply cold, then do it. If you can afford a whole house generator, make sure you've got enough energy uh, behind that thing, whether it's natural gas or whatever, um, to run that thing for as absolutely as long as possible without putting in bad gas that will damage your generator. Those, those things, um, let's see, I'm already at an hour. Um, I'm going to, I'm probably going to, we can do more of this later, but I'm, I'm telling you like, this is a good start for you guys. If you guys have questions on this, you can email me, uh, Shane at radicalpod.com and I'll try to point you to resources or if you got specific questions, maybe I'll start a fact, um, out there and and put you know a homesteading page up on radical so that you guys can see um you know it's a continuum it's it's how prepared you want to be 
um, for how long and what type of things do you want to prepare for? It's, it's all up to you. And that's, that's a beautiful thing about this type of thing. Is it going to be an overnight adjustment for you and possibly your significant other? It's not. This is, uh, it took, took me and my wife. I, I took, it took me a long time to get to this point, a long time. And I've been, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, like, do I feel prepared more than most? I do for a while, but it took me over 10 years plus to get to this point when I started having the ideas that, you know, this, this system is unsustainable back in 2004, 2005, I really thought, Hey, you know, like I, I need to get moving. I need to start making very diligent plans with goals and a checklist and everything else. And you know, it's 2021 now and I'm still doing it. And the thing is, is I will probably do this the rest of my life. I don't think you ever get to the point where you're like, Hmm, I'm good. Like I can take a day off. I can rest. It's not that type of deal. It is every day you're doing something, you're preparing, you're taking action and you're putting forth an effort to become independent. And I haven't even got into livestock yet, guys. Like I'm telling you, like I'm clearing space for chickens and, and other low maintenance, high yield type of food out there outside of just the, the naturally occurring food plots. Like that's, that's kind of the, you know, the game that I'm, I'm in right now. And this is going to be something that if you want to do it, I'm happy to be here to help you guys. I am happy to, um, to answer questions for you. Uh, but by no means do I think that I am um, completely self-sufficient, completely independent. I am, and, and you know, like I, I think I've got a good handle on some stuff. And I haven't even I haven't talked security yet. I mean, this this is such a multifaceted lifestyle um, to be able to talk about it with you guys, to be able to answer questions with you guys. I think it is. I think it's what we've got to do. If we want to be independent, again, we want to be independent people. We want to, you know, rah, 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 and shoot off fireworks on July 3rd and 4th um, and talk about independence instead of just using it as a banner to, you know, I don't know, make ourselves feel comfortable at the end of the day. Like, you got to get out and you got to work. You got to bust your ass with this kind of stuff. And you got to want to bust your ass and you got to take care of yourself. And I mean, like I said, all the other things that are behind this in terms of taking care of yourself, man, we could do shows and shows and shows for days. If you guys like it, um, let me know in the comments out there and I'll continue. Um, if you guys got specific subjects that you want me to cover, obviously I need to cover security. I need to cover um, the the local high yield uh, food in terms of domesticated stuff. I need to cover a lot more things with you guys. And this is all part of moving towards, you know, an independent people that government can't push around, that they can't take things from, that they are informed and self-sufficient in. And it's really about changing culture at the end of the day. How many people can we get to be independent? How many people can we uh, you know, push into peaceful independence? And at the state level, hey, you better recognize these people because they are a growing part of our society. And I mean... You want to look for proof of how this works. Just look at the Amish. Like the Amish, I'm not saying do it like the Amish. I'm saying use 21 uh, technology to help yourself get to that point. But um, 
if you guys on the Twitter verses out there and spaces want to stick around, I'll do a little bit of an after show and answer your questions uh, for everybody else out there. Go out, like, subscribe to everything, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, hit the little notification bell and you'll, you'll get notifications that uh, we're doing shows. And if you love it, go out there and give it a five-star review. If you even love it more than that and you want to support it, patreon.com slash radical pod. Until next time, I will see you guys next week. I'm going to talk a little bit about Marine Corps retirement um, and kind of the kick in the nuts that's going on over there. And we'll see what we get into next week other than that. So outside of that, have a great weekend. I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.